Tonight, it is uh, just a privilege we come here on Thanksgiving uh, to have Andrew Sorens with us. And I want you to welcome Andrew Sorens uh, to the platform to come and share with us this Thanksgiving message this week. All right, help me get a head start on this. Want every one of you, uh, introverts just got very nervous. Want every one of you to turn to somebody around you and just say, I am thankful for and name something very specific, okay? I, for instance, I am thankful that my whole family came here with me tonight. So can you do that real quick? All right, that served two purposes. One, it gave you a head start on my message. Two, it gave me time to set up my iPad in a way that I can see it. So thank you. As Pastor said, my name is Andrew. I am a staff pastor in Central Texas, married to Ellen Fustin Sorens. Uh, matter of fact, uh, in 1990, we got married in this church, but not in this building, uh, back uh, at the Jefferson Street campus. And uh, it was great. The, the seats were pews, the carpet was red, our bodies were skinnier, and our hair was bigger. Yes. Yeah, so you can see I was once really good looking. <laughs> Since then, we've been in youth ministry, music ministry, just about every kind of ministry. We have three children, and uh, this is really neat for me. Despite the fact that two of them are now adults, one in college and one married, all three are here tonight, so I'm going to introduce them to you. Um, well, first, uh, Ellen, you should stand up and wave at everybody so we know who you are. <clears throat> Uh, Lucy is here with my favorite son-in-law, Isaiah. Go ahead and stand up. <clears throat> they live in uh, South Texas where they uh, youth pastor at an Assemblies of God church. Lucy is also a professional photographer and piano teacher. And uh, yes, she is willing to fly to your venue to do photography. Garrett is studying music production at the University of Valley Forge in Pennsylvania. And he flew in yesterday to be here. Garrett. And Denise, my 16-year-old high school junior, uh, is here with us tonight. Go ahead and stand up, Denise. She's also a uh, driver's ed student and helped drive some of the way from Texas to get here, and we made it. <laughs> and I'm so excited to, uh, to share with you tonight. God's just been laying this on my heart for this church. You see, for 28 years, I've been a part of Calvary, having been married uh, into the family through, through Ellen, and uh, we've really gotten here in town about once a year, and for the past decade or so, it's been a habit to come here on, on Thanksgiving Eve and sharing the service. I always look forward to Pastor Dan leading us in worship. Uh, he is one of my favorite worship leaders, can I tell you? Um, it's not because of his beautiful voice, it's not because of his beautiful piano uh, skills. It's because he just loves Jesus, and we just get together, and we just love Jesus together, and it's just such a sweet time. I really appreciate it. I always look forward to uh, hearing from your pastor. Um, in in uh, one sense, he is still our pastor, and uh, I've actually uh, come to him for advice on occasion and appreciated his wisdom. So I'm grateful to be able to share a few words with you. I want to break the bread of Scripture for just a few moments and then share with you a special story. In 1 Chronicles 16.34, the word says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks. Thanksgiving, that's what this holiday is about. And while the turkey may be wonderful, the, the central theme of it is our giving thanks. 
And I've been studying about giving thanks and, and thanksgiving in a grateful attitude and been studying scripture and some, and, and some other things and found some interesting things I want to share with you. That exact phrase, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his love endures forever, occurs eight times in different places in the Old Testament. The term give thanks occurs 50 to 80 times, depending on the, the version you're reading. Why does the Bible emphasize this so much? Why do we give thanks? Well, six years ago I was doing some study on this, and I asked my kids in family devotions, kids, why do we give thanks? Denise, who was 10 at the time, said, because God is so wonderful, there is not any reason not to. Garrett, who was 13 and is always brief with his words, said, because God tells us to. And Lucy, who's 16 and always very sure of her words, says, because he's God and we're not, and that's how it works. <clears throat> well, those are pretty good, and as I was preparing, I thought we could dig down on each of those. So, first, why do we give thanks? We give thanks because God commands it. Um, I've always said to people over the years when they've asked, why do we do this and why do we do that and why do we do this? It's because the scripture says that's what we are supposed to do. For instance, water baptism. Why do we have to get baptized in water? Why, why not just, you know, sprinkle somebody, do another thing? We do it because Jesus said so, and Jesus saved us from hell. So if Jesus asks us to do something, if Jesus asks us to crawl five miles on our knees somewhere uh, as part of our confession of faith, we would do that because it's better than hell. He saved us, he bought us, he asked us to make that public declaration of faith. So we do things simply because God tells us to. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Spiritually, gratitude helps us. It helps our spirit. It helps us remain humble. You start realizing all that God has done for you and where you would be if you hadn't gotten those things, if he hadn't come through for you. T.D. Jake says, you don't have to teach grateful people how to worship. As a worship leader, I'm always trying to think of, of ways to inspire people to worship, to come and sing and give thanks with me. Well, grateful people, it doesn't take much. They just have to think of that one time, that if God hadn't come through, where would they be now? And the natural response is to worship. Gratitude makes us more selfless. We begin to help appreciate others instead of focusing on ourselves. It motivates us to greater service. It raises the level of our faith. Count your blessings and you'll trust God for the future. Well, great job, Garrett. Let's, let's dig down on Denise. Give thanks because God is so wonderful and there isn't any reason not to. Well, God deserves it, doesn't he? He deserves our praise. Give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Give thanks for what he's done. As one of my kids said, it's part of a healthy relationship. It's just polite when somebody does something nice for you that you say, and we teach our kids that, right? Somebody gives something nice to our kids, we say, honey, what do you say? And they, more. <laughs> no. <clears throat> thank you. Thank you is what you say. If nothing else, if you can't think of anything that uh, God has done for you, if you're, if you're having a hard time with that, simply give thanks for who he is. He is God. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Just give thanks because he is. Now, we don't just give thanks because he commands it and he deserves it. 
But as Lucy said, because he's God and we're not, and that's how it works, it works. Giving thanks will bless us. That's how it works. It should be enough that God commands it, right? It should be enough that as a step of obedience. It should be enough. Thanksgiving should well up in our hearts when we consider what God has done for us. But as Moses pointed out to the children of Israel, observe the Lord's commands and decrees I am giving you today for your own good. The Lord made you. He knows what you're made of. He knows how you're wired. Every system in your body, he knows how it works. And when the Lord gives you a command, it is for your good. And it's amazing over the years how scientists have discovered various things about uh, the human body and the world and the earth that has confirmed what the Bible has said for centuries. And I was reading some of these studies uh, because scientists, psychologists, neurologists, cardiologists, sleep specialists have studied the effects of gratitude on the human mind and body. And studies have revealed that practicing gratitude triggers reactions in our brain. We have this little amygdala thing back here. And when we experience different experiences and have different forms of input and then do different things, it releases chemicals into our brain. And that's why at times things happen and we feel good. And that's why we feel excited. These chemicals are happening in our brain. And they found that practicing gratitude on a regular basis stimulates our amygdala and releases all these happy chemicals, especially dopamine. And here's some of the results. They challenged people to regularly practice Thanksgiving and they, they had them do a gratitude journal for uh, a month every day. And here's some of what they found. Increased feelings of well-being, happier and more relaxed, increased energy, higher vitality, optimism, greater empathy, longer and better sleep at night. Oh, love, love some good sleep. And understand, this is a scientific study. They compared this to other people who weren't doing this as a control group. Better physical health. They exercise more regularly. More satisfaction with your job. Experience less stress. Fewer episodes of depression. Less materialistic and thus anxiety over status or accumulation of possessions. One study actually dug down and had three control groups. In one control group, they had them uh, journal the things that were wrong in their life and the, 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 the problems that they were having. Another control group, they had them keep a gratitude journal of giving thanks. And another control group, they just had them list the ways that they were better off than others by comparison. See, simply realizing that you're better off than somebody else isn't gratitude. That's an assessment of the situation. You have to go the next step of actually giving thanks for that, for all these wonderful things to kick in. Gratitude to be effective must be an action. We might consider ourselves grateful people, but are we giving thanks? Are we practicing thanksgiving? In the Bible, we find the phrase, be thankful, only a couple of times. But the phrase, give thanks, is there 50 to 80 times. It's an action. I emphasize that because recently at my church, I have been concluding a series talking about managing our emotions and taking control. I think emotions are great. Aren't emotions wonderful? They're awesome. I love emotions. Um, but 
Emotions make a great passenger. They're great to have on the bus, right? We want to bring them along with us. They make a terrible driver. Don't let the emotions take the wheel. They will drive your bus into the ditch, all right? But they make a great passenger. We just have to learn how to control them and put them, put them in their right perspective. And it's hard to simply just stop feeling that way. So we've been digging down on what are some actual things that we can do, actions we can take that will help us with negative emotions. And what we found is that the best way to com combat a negative emotion is with a positive action. Let me say that again because some of you are going to experience some negative emotions this week, and I want this to come back to you. The best way to combat a negative emotion is with a positive action. That's counterintuitive. It's not the thing we naturally want to do. When we experience a negative reaction, we tend to drill down on that, right? Why did this happen? How could this person do this to me? How can I get back at them? How can I, I make this thing better? How did I get in this situation? Oh, I feel so dumb. I feel so terrible. I, we drill down on all the negatives. We have to make a conscious decision if we want to get out of that pit to make a positive action. And practicing gratitude, actually giving thanks, will combat that. When you just a few minutes ago turned to your neighbor and you said, I am thankful for this, didn't you feel something good inside happen? It's hard to have negative emotions when we're practicing a positive action like that. The brain isn't wired that way. You, you, you can't talk to somebody and say, you know, how are you doing? Oh, I'm having a great day. Things are wonderful, and I am just so angry at my brother, right? It, you can't, those things cannot exist in the same brain. So in short, grateful people are happy people. And I want to share with you just a couple of ways to actively build an attitude of gratitude. Do any of you ever pray the Acts Prayer, ACTS, Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, Supplication? Any of you people aware of that one? Okay. I could teach on this for an hour, but real quick. Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, Supplication. It's simply an outline that I often use for my prayer. And I use this outline despite the fact that I hate the order those letters are in. Okay, I, I you know I I would rather go straight to S. Okay, I'd rather go straight to supplication. I'm I'm there's something I have a need I want to pray, but I start with adoration, just simply praising God for who He is, and then move to confession, examining my heart and Lord, uh, w what do I have? What do I need to confess? And then I move into thanksgiving and being thankful for things and specifically being thankful. Sometimes if I'm dealing with a stressful situation or a person that I'm not getting along with or I think is wronging me, I will specifically give thanks for that person and try to call out the positive aspects of their life and give thanks for them. Then when I move into supplication, my heart is right. And the supplication becomes, supplication is just a fancy word that says asking God for things. We come to him for our supply. He is our supplier. And when I have prepared my heart through adoration and confession and then thanksgiving builds my faith, when I get to supplication, I believe that God will act. So that is one way that I just do that on, on a regular basis. Uh, some people keep a gratitude journal. They actually write things down. Any of, are any of you prayer journaling people? You've got a list. You've got a people. You've got missionaries on there. Awesome, awesome. Scribble Andrew in there somewhere and to pray for Andrew. I appreciate that. 
But simply verbalizing to others our thanks and being grateful. Now, we practice this a lot of times on Thanksgiving. Do you folks take a moment on Thanksgiving to actually say what you're thankful for to somebody? I, th- I think it's a great thing. You'll learn things about your family you never knew. Uh, I want to encourage you to do that. Well, the thing that I was really excited to share with you, other than these little words about Thanksgiving, because I, I think it's I think it can transform your life, honestly. I really do. I, I want to share something that I'm thankful for, that I'm grateful for, and, and specifically with you because you guys are a part of it. Pastor Mark tells me you just wrapped up a one-year celebration of Calvary Church. Isn't that amazing? You, 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 for 50 years, this church has been in, in, in existence, and I was looking at some of the pictures and news articles out there, and uh, it's just such a neat thing to have been a part of that. And while I've only been officially a part of it for 28 years, I can look back almost at the whole history of it and see how God was working in my life through your church. In 1966, Calvary was born in November. In 1967, two women started working together at the DOT. One was a younger woman in her 20s named Carolyn, and one was a slightly older woman who had raised her children and was getting back into the workplace after being a stay-at-home mom in her late 30s. Her name was Ethel May, and Ethel May would later become my my mother-in-law. And they started working together, and at first it was a bit of a rocky situation because, you see, that 20-something was the supervisor to the 30-something. How many of you chafe when you have somebody younger than you telling you what to do? I do. I do. Well, you know, young whippersnapper, what do you think you know to tell me? I, I, and, and, boy, she chafed at that. She did not like it. And at first, these two did not get along at all. But Carolyn persisted in building a relationship with Ethel May. She would say, hey, you want to sit down and have coffee together? And they would start taking their coffee breaks together. And, and she was patient and she would listen to Ethel May's stories and, and what was going on in her life. And she was building a bridge. And over time, she began to share the gospel and witness to her. And Ethel May was resistant. She didn't want to hear about it. She didn't want to go to church. She'd invite her to church. And she was like, no, I don't want anything to do with that. See, Ethel May had been raised Methodist, and like any good Methodist, she did not feel good enough to be saved. Let that sink in for a second. My, my uh, pastor at the church that, where I was first a youth pastor in Wisconsin, we had a lot of, of Catholics in the area. He says, Catholics make the best Pentecostals because they come in and they love the freedom, they love the worship, but man, they work in the church like their salvation depends on it. <laughs> they're never quite sure they're in. Well, Ethel May did not feel worthy of God's love and forgiveness. Have you ever invited somebody to church? Sometimes it can be nerve-wracking. Pastor Mark's challenging you to, to invite some people to church, and it can be intimidating. What if that person were a co-worker who's older than you and kind of cranky? Well, Carolyn persisted for five years. Everybody say five years. I want you to remember that because I don't want you to give up on that person you're praying for. 
She continued building relationship for five years. Eventually, those coffee breaks, instead of being five minutes or ten minutes, would be an hour. She says, I, I don't know why, well, how we didn't get fired. I got to talk to Carolyn the other day ab- about this story to get some more information on it. And so those two eventually developed an unlikely friendship. And after five years of building that friendship, Carolyn invited Ethel May to come with her to Calvary. See, Carolyn had recently discovered Calvary. You know how Carolyn discovered Calvary? A friend invited her. A friend invited her. You see, that's the way it works for most of us. Some people can come to the Lord all on their own. I've had it happen like twice. I remember one lady in Wisconsin... She was a, a young lady, and she was out in the woods enjoying nature, and God revealed himself to her. And out there in the middle of the trees with nobody around, she gave her heart to Jesus, not really knowing anything about him. One day, a few days later, she was driving home, and she usually went up and turned on one road, and she felt the Lord say, turn now. And she turned one street earlier, and that street led to our church. And so we're there one Sunday night, and this young lady walks in, and, hi, what's your name? Abigail, okay, I'm Andrew. What, what, what brings you to uh, First Assembly tonight? Um, well, God told me to turn at this street and come in here. And she began to tell the story, and I was blown away. That is the exception. That rarely happens. Some of you are great soul winners. Some of you can lead someone to Jesus all by yourself and disciple them, and you're, you're great at just bringing them the whole way. I, I'm not one of them. I mean, I love witnessing to people, and I love sharing Jesus, um, but I, I don't know that I have that special gift that some of you have. For most of us, it's a team effort, and that's what we do as a church. See, evangelism is something that takes place best in community, and an effective church finds a way to partner with the members to say, hey, how can we reach our friends for Christ? See, it's not Calvary out there reaching Springfield, okay? It's not Pastor Mark. It's not this building that reaches Springfield, Illinois. It is the church that is Calvary. See, I tell you, I've been attending Calvary for 28 years. Well, Calvary was on Jefferson Street, and now Calvary's here, right? No. Calvary is all over this city, Calvary has met at Jefferson Street for years, and Calvary meets here and at Jefferson Street now. But we are Calvary. And when we partner together to reach our friends, and we say, hey, friend, our church is doing a special service. It's, it's called a Christmas service. What, what did you call that coming up, Pastor? Calvary Christmas. We're doing a thing called Calvary Christmas, and our pastor has said, hey, invite your friends. Man, I, I would love it if you would come with me. Would you come with me to Calvary Christmas? We'll, we'll go get a meal afterwards. I'll buy. You might think that person um, might reject you. They might. They might reject you for five years. Or they might say, okay, and they come. Well, Ethel May finally did come. Calvary was doing a special service. They were celebrating an anniversary back there. And Ethel May came, and she came with her kids. And on that very first Sunday, Pastor MC gave an altar call. 
Did he do that every once in a while? Give people an opportunity to receive Jesus? I'm amazed at my church. My pastor gives an altar call every Sunday. And yet, when I have talked to people that we go through a baptism class or something and say, tell me about your journey coming to the Lord. They said, well, a friend invited me to this girlfriend's event, this late women's ministry event, and then they invited me Sunday morning. And I had been attending here about three months. And after three months, one Sunday morning, pastor gave an altar call. And I'm like, pastor gives an altar call every Sunday morning. Pastor gives an altar call at business meetings. Okay? Pastor, I used to joke around that pastor could preach on tithing and give a salvation altar call and people would get saved. One morning he preached on tithing and he gave the altar call and five people raised their hands and we applauded. And he said, anybody else? And about five more hands went up and we applauded. He did that about six times, like 35 people raised their hands after a sermon on tithing (laughs) and went, tithing, that sounds great, I want in. It takes a partnership. You, your relationship with your friends, the church, and then ultimately the Holy Spirit revealing Jesus in someone's heart. And then that light goes on. And for Ethel May, God had been at work through Carolyn for five years. And when she came that first Sunday, Ethel May came down to the altar and gave her heart to Jesus and attended ever since. Five years later, she got filled with the Holy Spirit. Her older daughter got saved that morning. And her younger daughter, who was only three years old at the time, got to grow up in this church. Carolyn said that mom had a radical transformation, a radical transformation in her life. This woman who had been so cranky and resistant suddenly became a soul winner. Matter of fact, I can tell you, uh, almost 30 years ago, when I first met Ethel May, Ellen brought me home on one, you know, that's always a significant thing when you bring the boyfriend home on fall break. I walked in the door, and the very first thing Ethel said to me was, if you died tonight, do you know you'd be in heaven with Jesus Christ? <laughs> she began to ask me evangelism explosion questions. The very, that was the very first thing, very first thing. I thought she was joking, so I gave her smart aleck answers, and we did not get off to a good start. <laughs> but that was her. She became an evangelist, witnessing, inviting, sharing the love of Jesus. And I've just been thinking about that lady, Carolyn, and thinking, what if Carolyn hadn't invited Ethel May? What if she had been intimidated because this lady was older and kind of cranky and rough around the edges? What if after the first few times she had given up and said, well, this one's a lost cause. I'm sorry, Lord, I'm moving on. What if she had invested in Ethel May's life for four and a half years and then given up. I was thinking about that because I'm thinking, I would not be here tonight. It was because of Carolyn inviting Ethel to church that Ethel May got saved and that Ellen was raised in this church and Ellen got to be a part of your Sunday school classes and your youth group and she got to be discipled in this church. And because of that discipleship in her life, when she got ready to consider college, she considered one of our Assemblies of God colleges. And I'm so glad she went up to North Central because if she hadn't done that, I wouldn't have seen this beautiful girl in church history class and think to myself, hmm, 
I'd like to get to know her better. But what if? What if Carolyn had given up? What if she hadn't done that? Carolyn was talking about one person she invited to church, and she found out the per person was a Mormon, and she invited the person to church, and the person said, great, I love this, started coming to church. She's like, well, why, did, why, didn't, you, why didn't you ever come to church, one of these churches before? Well, nobody ever invited me. I was doing a hospital visit, and one of our ladies had a, a boyfriend, and it was this guy probably in his 40s, rough around the edges, hairy, lots of tattoos, kind of a scary-looking guy. And I began talking to him, and, and I asked him, you know, his faith journey and if he attended a church, and, and he didn't. And I said, well, hey, we'd love to have you at Bethel. Why don't you come visit at Bethel sometime? And he got this look on his face like he almost teared up, and he's like, thank you. I'm like, you're welcome. He's like, no, you don't, you don't understand. Nobody's invited me to church before. He said, I've attended church before. I've been invited to leave a church before. <laughs> but nobody's ever invited me to church before. So I'm so grateful to be able to come here and tell Carolyn's story and to publicly say, because she's, she's going to get a copy of this, uh, to, say, to say thank you, Carolyn. I appreciate it. You you changed my life. You changed my family. You changed our legacy. These kids wouldn't be here. So thank you, Carolyn. Thank you, Lord, for a church and pastor that preached the gospel unashamedly. Thank you for a church that reached out and then partnered with Ethel May as she raised her kids. Without Calvary and Carolyn... Never would have met Ellen, wouldn't have these kids. And without my wonderful family, I wouldn't be here today. So thank you, Carolyn. Thank you, Pastor Mark. Thank you, Calvary. I'm thankful for you. Lord, we just pray you'd use these words to build us with intention. Father, we pray you'd use these words that we've heard tonight to spark us towards someone that you want us to invest our lives in. And use these words, that, Father, for those who are already doing that to not be discouraged, but to continue. Uh, Lord, in many of our lives, you've used people just like that. And so, Lord, we pray that we would never see the impossibility of somebody coming to know you, but we would always see the possibility of them coming. And let us take the time and the effort uh, to invest in their lives. Even now, as we're thinking about uh, December the 10th, let those names come into our heart. Let us be stirred. For, Father, we never know what a simple invitation to church will build a story that lasts for eternity. Help us in all that and speak to us in all that. Father, we thank you for this message tonight and for Andrew. Uh, Father, we thank you for all this, the story that he shared with us tonight. 
that encourages us to righteousness, to do your work. And we pray that as we go into our homes and in our places tonight and tomorrow, uh, that, Father, you give us that opportunity to plant the gospel, the message of your Son, and the love of Christ deeply in the hearts of those we love. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. God bless you. Go, and we'll see you Sunday. Amen.